Welcome to episode 24 of From the Front Porch, conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I will be recapping the books I read in April. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Um, we took the week off last week in preparation of Independent Bookstore Day. So this past Saturday, we joined with other bookstores all across the country to celebrate our independence. Um, it was the first ever nationwide celebration of Independent Bookstore Day. It began as California Bookstore Day last year, and we were thrilled to participate in this first nationwide celebration. Um, the bookstore had a great day this past Saturday. Um, we had cupcakes and coffee and happy hour and visiting authors, story time guests, all kinds of really fun and exciting things, and it was a really great day at the bookshelf. So thank you to the locals who chose to come out and support your independent bookstore, and thank you to you listeners who went out and supported your local bookstores in your area. Um, I'm sure those bookstores really appreciate your support. I know we certainly do. So this week I thought we'd keep things simple on the podcast. I just wanted to recap the books that I was able to read last month. Um, then we'll get back to some other maybe more fun <laughs> podcasts in the next week or two. Um, April was an exceptionally busy month for the store. We had over, a, I think, a dozen events and some some nights where we stayed open later and just lots of really fun things happened. Um, but because it was so busy, I am pleasantly surprised I was still able to read eight books last month. Um I just wanted to kind of go through those with you today, and maybe you could find some that you would like to add to your to-be-read lists. Um, I'm going to start off with a book that I started in March but finished in April. The book you have probably heard of by now, it's called A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. This is her second novel. Um, It is quite the book, meaning on the shelf, if you aren't reading an electronic version. It's about 700 some odd pages. It is getting a lot of comparisons to The Goldfinch, and I'm not sure if that's just because of its size, Um, but I did not read The Goldfinch, and that's a a bookseller's confession I'm making publicly. Um, I didn't read The Goldfinch. It was one that um, got mixed reviews in our store, and I made the decision instead to read another book by Donna Tartt, so I never got around to reading The Goldfinch. Instead, I read A Little Life, and um, it was daunting at first, Um, partly because of the page count and partly because of the subject matter. So I had heard about A Little Life through a couple of different avenues, through some blogs that I read, some literary blogs, and also through another literary podcast, um, Books on the Nightstand. So Anne on Books on the Nightstand had recommended, kind of given a rave review to A Little Life, and I decided to go ahead and take the plunge. So I read the book, in March, finished it in April. Um, It covers the friendships of four young men. It starts off um, their later college years, and it goes until they are about um, maybe in their mid-40s, early 50s, so it covers a lot of territory. Um, And at first, I thought that it was going to be a book just about these male friends, and I thought that alone is a pretty intriguing concept. A lot of books about friendship cover female friendships and relationships, but they don't delve into male relationships. So it's an interesting concept to begin with, but 
the book quickly um, becomes a book about one of the friends, um, a young man named Jude. And it's what starts off as a story of four friends kind of becomes his story. And it covers some pretty um, touching, touchy subjects, I guess, touching as well. But um, it covers issues of abuse and um, hurt and tragedy and loss and it's heavy material um i can't believe the beauty with which uh hanya yanagihara handles the subject matter the writing is exceptional Uh, it's not overly flowery it's really well done for a 700 page book it's incredibly readable incredibly accessible um And it's an important book about abuse and dealing with people who have suffered deep loss and how do we handle friends and family members who are suffering from mental illness and and struggles. And it's incredibly touching. So um, Anne from Books on the Nightstand talked about how difficult this book was to read and and I kept, as I was reading, I kept wondering, okay, when is this going to become difficult? Because I, I thought it was really well handled and well done. And sure enough, about three quarters of the way through, it just becomes so incredibly painful. Um, but again, the subject matter is, held, um, is handled with such deftness. I can't recommend this book enough. Now, um, there are some... like I said, heavy issues in this book. So it's not one I'm going to recommend to every customer who comes in the bookshelf. It's simply not for everyone. But if you liked The Goldfinch, if you know what you're getting into and you know that this book is going to touch on some intense subject matter and you're okay with that, then I think this book is a must read. Um, we haven't sold a ton of copies at the store, at our store. And I, again, I don't know if that's because I'm waiting for the right customer to recommend it to or because it's kind of a daunting daunting read. Um, but if you're listening to this and it's intriguing to you at all and the subject matter doesn't put you off, then please read this book. Um, And if you are a local and you want to talk about this book, you want to see if it's for you, I'd be happy to talk with you about it. Um, I read it early this month or early last month, but it stuck with me a long time, so I would happily discuss it with someone. Um, Anyway, the book is A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. The next book I read was very different and purposefully so, intentionally so. Um, I read Emma by Alexander McCall Smith. This one I had seen in catalogs, maybe in book page, and I knew I wanted to read it the moment it came out. But what I didn't know was that there are other retellings of Austen stories that have already been written. And I'm not talking about like the Jane Austen zombie books or anything like that. I know that her books have been kind of um, pulled, run through the ringer. But Um, Emma is part of something called The Austin Project, which um, is six novels that pairs um, best-selling authors with Jane Austen's six complete works. So it's called The Austin Project. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. They have already published Sense and Sensibility and Northanger Abbey. 
um, both of which were released last year. Emma was released this month, or last month. I keep <laughs> getting confused between April and May. It was released in May. And um, while I am not exactly an Austin purist, meaning I don't necessarily read those zombie tales, but I don't really read a ton of retellings either, but that's not because I don't think retellings can't be done, meaning I'm okay with the Lizzie Bennet Diaries or Emma Approved, these um, Pemberley Digital um, television shows or YouTube shows based on Jane Austen's works. I love those. So I'm not someone who's a stickler for Leave Jane Austen Alone. Because of that, I enjoyed Emma by Alexander McCall Smith. I thought he did a great job of sticking to um, the things that make... Emma Emma, uh, meaning she is not the most likable heroine. She is not my favorite of Jane Austen's heroines. Um, but she is flawed and spunky and confused, and I think uh, Smith really handles all of that well. Um, this rendition was perfectly enjoyable. Uh, I would imagine most people would find it to be a pleasant read, one worth putting on your shelf. Um, Smith does the story justice, and I think he stays true to Austin's roots while bringing Emma into a modern um, setting. So I think, the again, this is another author who handled his subject matter really well. And if you're not an Austin purist and you're okay with um, Emma looking a little different and, uh, you know, being an event planner in the year 2015, then I think this book uh, deserves a spot on your shelf, um, deserves a place in your beach bag. Um, it's a fun, it's just a fun book. And it was a great book to read after A Little Life. So that book is by, uh, is Emma, a retelling of Jane Austen's Emma, written by Alexander McCall Smith, um, who many of you will recognize through the um, number one ladies detective agency. So if you're fans of his, this one is another one you'd happily enjoy. Next, I read Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans. Um, Rachel is a blogger mostly known in um, Christian circles. Um, she, early in her career, wrote a book about um, the place of evolution in faith. And then prior to Searching for Sunday, she wrote a book um, called um, The a year of biblical womanhood where she spent a year following um the tradition set up in scripture of how the rules and regulations that women had to follow in the old and new testament um so she can be a little controversial i guess in the christian blogging world i think she's a very talented author i have not read many of her books but i have read her blog off and on through the years the reason i picked up searching for sunday is because the premise is one that hits close to home for me. Um, Rachel is struggling with church and faith and finding her place in church. She writes in Searching for Sunday about how she went from a Southern Baptist evangelical background to then a house church setting, then you know a period of time where she really didn't attend church to... Um, going to church at an evangelical congregation. And she divides the book up in a really clever and well-done way. Each chapter is devoted to one of the sacraments. 
And to me, that's one of the best parts of the book are how these sections are divided up. Um, I finished Searching for Sunday in an afternoon. It's a very easy, quick read. It's one I will go back and buy and highlight. Um, I kind of, you know, sneaked a copy from the store and so read it without bending the binding. (laughs) But I will be buying my own copy of this book to highlight and write in. Um, I especially found her section... um, which is entitled Baptism, so it's um, kind of based in the ba- in the sacrament of baptism, but she, of course, um, takes many different af- approaches and viewpoints. Her story just is incredibly relatable, and I'm, I don't think I'm the only one who would think so. Um, there was a recent article, actually, that Rachel wrote for the Washington Post about millennials and church. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. Um, so if you're a millennial, or even if you're not, maybe if you're the parent of a millennial, or uh, maybe you two are struggling with church and faith, if if that interests you at all, I think Searching for Sunday is Rachel's best book yet. Um, I think you will finish it in no time and you'll probably want to talk to somebody about it. Um, It's a book I would love to read in a book club type setting um, and share with friends and and talk together because there's plenty to discuss. Um, I'll link to her Washington Post article in the show notes, but the book is called Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans. I've been trying to read one advanced reader copy a month. We get so many advanced reader copies in the store and it's hard to keep up. Um, But I managed to read A Window Opens by Elizabeth Egan. Um, This book isn't going to hit shelves until August. But please remember the title because it is so good. Um, This is my type of book. A Window Opens is in my kind of wheelhouse. It's it's the books I would read even if I didn't own a bookstore. <laughs> um, it's a debut novel by a magazine writer. It's a light book, um, but it's really funny and heartfelt. It made me laugh, and then it also made me tear up in parts. Um, the book um, follows one woman's, you know, I guess somewhat a struggle of of juggling it all, but for those of us who are sick of that phrase, um, it's really about a woman who thinks she's found her dream job um, working with books and then discovers it's not really a dream job at all and she struggles with issues in her family and her aging parents and it's just a really great book. Um, I am comparing it to Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. So if you are a fan of Leanne's, I think you'll enjoy this book. It also is very reminiscent, perhaps purposefully so, of Where'd You Go, Bernadette. So Where'd You Go, Bernadette was the hit book of the season a couple years back. I think deservedly so. I really enjoyed that book. Um, A Window Opens is definitely a combination of Big Little Lies meets Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Um, because of the main character's workplace, it also is reminiscent of Dave Eggers' The Circle, another book I really enjoyed. All of these books I enjoyed, so of course I enjoyed A Window Opens. Um, I think this would be a great book to close out the summer, so I kind of like that it's being released in August. I think it'd be a fun one um, to kind of wrap up the season with. I will be recommending it um, to book clubs and I also am recommending it to my friends. So I already emailed 
I already emailed or mailed out my advanced reader copy um, because I enjoyed it so much. And I mailed my advanced reader copy with the intent of buying my own copy of this book. So that's how much I liked it is I'm going to go ahead and buy one of my own when they come out in August. Um, the book is A Window Opens by Elizabeth Egan. Next, I read Astonish Me by Maggie Shipstead. Um, I read Maggie's first book, um, Seating Arrangements, when it debuted a few years ago. I've got the beautiful hardcover copy, uh, which I think always shows some dedication when you buy the hardback. Um, I enjoyed that book. I thought it was really well done. It's a book that takes place on May in Maine, um, a wedding weekend in Maine. Uh, it's really quirky. It's one of those books where nothing drastic happens, but it's just really well done and you don't want to put it down. Um, but I put off reading Astonish Me because the book is based on um, or covers ballet. So it's about a ballerina. And I just, that's not something I typically read about. I'm not particularly interested in ballet. I think it's beautiful, but I don't really understand the ins and outs of it. And so I just thought perhaps the book was beyond me. Um, it released in paperback earlier this year. And we happened at the bookshelf to have one hardback copy left. And so when we get paperbacks in our store, we put the hardback versions of those books on the 50% off rack. So if you're a local, that's kind of our trick. When a paperback version comes out, if we've still got copies of the hardback on the shelf, those go on the sale rack. So I saw this book hit the sale rack, and it's beautiful. And I thought, okay now is my time. <laughs> now I'm going to finally read Astonish Me. So after months, or pro actually probably 12 months of waiting, I finally read this book. And I can't believe I waited so long to read it. It is so good. I actually think it's better than seating arrangements, which I think is always pretty incredible when a debut author who debuts to rave reviews can somehow overcome those rave reviews and release another really great book. Um, Astonish Me is wonderful. Um, it's got this clever plot um, that has some twists and turns. Um, it's beautifully written. She writes about ballet in a way that made me actually care about ballet and made me follow along with the characters. But there's not so much ballet that you get lost, meaning the story is about a lot more than that. It's about family relationships and secrets and um, intense relationships and anyway it is excellent I can't talk about it enough I think it might have been my favorite book of April um and I remember some other bloggers and and fellow readers really raving about this one when it came out so I don't think it's just me I think this is a really great book um I am recommending it to people who maybe missed it when it first came out in hardback and so maybe that includes you. And if so, the paperback is out. Um, you can probably get it from your local library as well because it's been out a while, so it shouldn't have any holds or anything like that. Um, the book is Astonish Me by Maggie Shipstead, and it is wonderful. Okay, next I read Where They Found Her by Kimberly McRae. Um, you'll recognize her name if you read Reconstructing Amelia. Reconstructing Amelia was a book that came out a couple of years ago. I read it when it very first came out about a young woman who apparently had committed suicide and the mother is convinced that 
she couldn't have committed suicide, and so um, she, she kind of it's kind of a mystery suspense novel, and it is so good if you haven't read it. it I know so many people are raving about um, Girl on the Train and Gone Girl, and those are excellent books worthy of praise. Reconstructing Amelia is equally worthy, worthy of that praise. So if you you haven't read that one and you like a good um, thriller or suspense, Reconstructing Amelia is excellent. Where they found her is Kimberly McRae's new book, and I don't think it packs quite the punch of Reconstructing Amelia, which is why I'm recommending that one first to you. But if you enjoy Reconstructing Amelia, or if you just need a suspense novel, which honestly, sometimes during the summer, I just want a suspense novel, then this one is worth picking up. I will tell you, even as a bookseller, that this is one I would get from the library. Um, and I think there's a reason for that. So I, I just spoke about Gillian Flynn and about um, the new rave uh, girl on the train, which we devoted an entire podcast to. So obviously I'm a big fan of girl on the train. I feel sorry for Kimberly McRae because where they found her is a book that is told from varying female perspectives, which girl on the train does with such precision that it's really hard to now read where they found her. Um, girl on the train is handled so well and does those different voices, those different female narrations so well that where they found her kind of pales in comparison. So if you haven't read Girl on the Train, maybe start with where they found her because I think part of the reason I maybe am not as wowed by this book is because I just recently read Girl on the Train and I'm I'm comparing the two and perhaps that's unfair. Um, the book um, is about a baby, a, a, a dead baby who is found um, missing and buried, and they don't know what happened. And they're trying to discover kind of where this baby came from, what the story is, and the woman who finds herself um, reporting the investigation has recently um, lost a child, and so there's some um, there's some intensity there. Um, some I feel like I've used the word intensity a lot in this podcast. Um, there there's some interesting things that take place because of this woman's own personal struggles, and then she's having to report on this on this. Um, deceased child. So um, that part is interesting, maybe even compelling. I just felt like this one fell a little flat in the mystery and suspense department. Um, again, I think that's because I'm probably comparing it to Girl on the Train. Um, it's readable and enjoyable. And again, if you want a suspense for the summer, I recommend picking this one up but first, pick up Kimberly McRae's first book, Reconstructing Amelia. Um, so her newest book is Where They Found Her. Um, decent suspense. Um, Fast-paced, I'll admit that I read this one quickly. Um, read it with an open mind. I'd love to know what you think. This one just didn't quite, like I said, pack the punch. And maybe it's because my expectations were a little too high. But um, I would love to know what you think, Where They Found Her by Kimberly McRae. 
Next, I decided to do something a little different and read a nonfiction kind of... We have a section in our store called Hot Topics where um, those are books like about politics or technology. Um, so You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson falls into that category. Um, I picked it up for two reasons. Um, Shauna Nequist, one of my favorite authors, gives awesome book recommendations, and this one came across her Instagram feed. Um, or came up on her Instagram feed, and it's different from the books she normally recommends, so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll like this one too. And then the second reason is because, contrary to popular belief, booksellers do, in fact, buy books based on covers. <laughs> um, I definitely judge a book by its cover, um, meaning if a book is beautiful, I will probably give it a shot. Um, but I'll also be really disappointed if it doesn't hold up to its cover. So I guess I'm an equal equal opportunity um, judger, <laughs> judge of covers. Um, but So I picked this one up because I think the cover is really great. Um, but the concept is really compelling too. So the book is called So You've Been Publicly Shamed, and that's exactly word for word what it's about. John Ronson, you might recognize from NPR. I had heard several of his stories on This American Life. Um, I may even try to find one to link in the show notes. But he is most famous for his book, The Psychopath Test, which came out a few years ago. I did not read that book, um, but I did read this one because I thought the subject matter was really interesting. Um, the book is about people who have been publicly humiliated on the internet. And they've been humiliated. Humiliated isn't even the right word. Humiliated would imply that they are innocent, I guess, to begin with. But these are people who had very public um, falls from grace, meaning they wrote a, something inappropriate on Twitter or they told an inappropriate joke and somehow the internet got a hold of it and it spun out of control and as a result they lost their jobs or they faced other uh, really traumatic consequences. So John Ronson approaches this as kind of the new version of you know putting someone in stocks in the square. And he does this by telling very different stories about different people who have suffered through public humiliation and public shame. Um, many of the stories I had already heard about. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the names. Mike Daisy, who did an NPR story about an iPhone factory, and then it was found that, you know, virtually his whole story was false. Um, Let's see, Justine uh, Sacco, S-A-C-C-O, I, I guess that's how you pronounce her name. She, um, a couple years ago, told a vaguely racist, uh, just inappropriate joke on Twitter, and next thing you knew, she had lost her job, it had become a trending topic, um, just kind of horrific uh, circumstances, and so John Ronson interviews these people who have suffered through public shame and they've suffered the consequences and and what that means about the internet and what that means about our culture. It's really fascinating and I know frequently on this podcast I use that word but I hope that's because I try to read really uh, interesting books but trust me this book really is fascinating. I'm not just saying that. Um, if the internet and um, 
our modern culture of maybe calling people out on the internet is interesting to you at all, then you really should read this book. Um, there was an excerpt from the book in the New York Times a few weeks ago. I'll try to link to that in the show notes. If you enjoy the New York Times article, maybe it was even a New Yorker article, I think you'll really then enjoy this book. So that'll give you kind of a good idea of if you if you should pick this one up. Um, I also would recommend you purchase this one just because it's a beautiful book to have on the shelf, and I think you'll want to highlight it. I also think this would be a really interesting book club book. Um, it's not my turn to pick out a book club book for e- any of the book clubs I'm in, but when it is my turn, I think this would be a really interesting one to discuss. So the book is So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. The last book I squeezed in at the very end of the month was Man at the Helm by Nina Steeb. You might recognize her name. Um, I read her book, her memoir, Love Nina, I think uh, sometime last year. It was a book about her escapades kind of nannying in the 1980s in London. Um, That book was good. It was enjoyable. I recommended it. This one is way better. (laughs) So I don't know if it's just that she's better suited to fiction, but Man at the Helm is delightful. And that's the word I'm using. It's, it's just delightful. Um, so the book to me is very British. So it's very British in its humor and in its storytelling. It reminds me a little bit of I Capture the Castle and the Railway Children. There's even a reference to the Railway Children in this book. Um, it's narrated by, um, fictional nine-year-old Lizzie Vogel, though I actually think it's the adult Lizzie remembering what nine-year-old Lizzie thought. So the narration is really well done. It's not a book for children. It's definitely an adult book, but the narration is really clever. Um, It tells the tale of Lizzie and her older brother and her younger sister and how they are trying to find their mother a new man at the helm. So that's where the title comes from. They're kind of lost and desperately hoping to find someone to help kind of put their home back together. Um, It's a really sweet book. It's very funny. I took my time through this one. It's not one that you're going to fly through. I I didn't want to fly through it. Um, It was just the book I needed to be reading at the end of a really stressful month, so it was a nice escape. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, In fact, I'm recommending this one specifically if you enjoyed The Rosie Project and you're looking for something different. Um, It's also kind of got a Mary Poppins vibe. It's just, uh, it's about some smart kids who, you know, some really clever children who are also still kids. Like, these aren't um, sarcastic, you know, nine-year-old, nine-years-old going on 18 years old like I feel like the characters are really true to their ages and the story is really fun so anyway I'm kind of rambling about it because I really enjoyed it and I'm not sure it's it's gotten the attention it deserves so this is me trying to give it some attention the book is Man at the Helm by Nina Steeb and I'd love if you'd pick one up because I think it's really great um 
so those are the eight books I read this month. I apologize if I was a little bit all over the place. It has been a long, long week and weekend. Um, but hopefully you were able to get some good book recommendations out of this month's list. We will be back next week with a new episode. Um, until then, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash bookshelf Thomasville. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Those are great places to follow us at bookshelf T-ville. Um, we post really regularly um, literary news and then things that are going on in our shop. Um, I'd love to see you there. Uh, if you have any questions, just follow us on those social media sites and we will see you next week.